Welcome to episode two of the Views from the Zoo podcast. Um, my name is George Michalowski with my co-host Steve Thompson. Today we brought on Kevin Sweeney of cbbcentral.com. He broke down Northwestern and got us ready for the Pitt Northwestern game on Wednesday night. So um, we're going to start out today talking about the NIU game, our first impressions, what Pitt did well, what they didn't do well. So uh, let's get it started. What do you think of the game, Steve? Well, they, they took care of business versus a bad team, you know. Um, NIU was, was definitely didn't play very well, and I don't, I don't think they will play very well this season. I think it's going to be end up being a long long season for the Huskies. But, you know, Pitt took care of business. They won by 30 points. Um, they shot the ball well. They moved the ball well. Um, they did what they were supposed to do. So, you know, not a whole lot you can take away from that except uh, it I guess a confidence builder going into their first power five matchup versus Northwestern. For sure. And yeah, some things you said, they moved the ball. Well, I mean, they had 26 assists on 30 field goals. I know coach Capel was pretty impressed with that. Um, they held Northwest or Northern Illinois, sorry, to 25% shooting in the second half, which was definitely a good sign considering our defense has been pretty spotty this year. Um, we forced 18 turnovers, turned them into 33 points on ensuing possessions. That is big, and I think that'll be really big in the coming game against Northwestern. Yeah, you know, you know, overall, there I think their defense was was better. It got a little bit better, especially in the half court. But their transition defense was really not very good. Um, I did a rewatch this morning, and I was, you know. Northern Illinois was really able to expose them in transition. I thought Pitt did not have great floor balance. Um, I didn't think they showed a ton of urgency to get back on defense, especially in the second half when they had uh, a huge, uh, you know, kind of a bigger lead. And then that's something that they're definitely going to have to shore up before they head to Evanston on on Wednesday night because that's something Northwestern does really well. They can score, they love to run, and they can shoot the three really well. And that's something that Pitt has struggled with so far this season. So, you know, you, you had some good offensive moments, but also the defense from the Northern Illinois game was a little troubling. It was the defense. And also I thought the bigs, I mean, I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if this is just how our team's going to play this year, but I would like to see some more production on, on the offensive end and rebounding from the bigs from uh, Hughley and Kulavali. Um, I'd like to see him chip in. I mean, right now, Justin Champagne is leading the team in rebounding by a large margin. Uh, he's averaging eight boards a game. And then, yeah, I mean, it was great watching us raining in from outside. I feel Horton kind of at his homecoming, had a great game. Uh, I'd love to see him continue that. But you just never know if we're going to be able to keep it up. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, offense doesn't always travel. Defense does. And for a team that – that hasn't been very good historically on the road, especially under Jeff Capel, you need stuff that travels. You need stuff that you can count on game in, game out, no matter where you are, who you're playing. And defense is one of those things. Transition defense is one of those things. And they haven't shown the ability to, to, to consistently play well on the defensive end uh, or the offensive end for that matter. You know, they showed some flashes, but like you said, there's no guarantee that, they're going to be able to shoot, uh, you know, 35, 40% from three like they did against Northern Illinois, um, especially against power five teams and especially against uh, teams in the ACC when conference play comes up. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the press conference yesterday. So just a little background um, yesterday in the 
preview for the Northwestern uh, game press conference, Coach Capel kind of went on a little little rant. I don't know if it was a rant against the NCAA or I don't know what it, what you'd call it, but he, he said some strong words, all thanks to your, your question, Steve. Uh, that was pretty awesome. But, yeah, it, it tell, the, tell the fans about what he was talking about. Yeah, so so I asked Coach Capel, um, has been difficult, you know, this is this is kind of, uh, I wouldn't call it the height of college basketball season, but it's a typically pretty busy time, the holiday season, you know, the, the non-conference schedules are, are really robust, and then people have these multi-team events that they go to, and during a pandemic, I think it exasperates some of the, some of the difficulties that you would already have um, with with playing basketball during the holidays, you know, guys are away from their families for a long time and they're, they're focused on a job. Really. It's a, it's a full-time job playing college basketball and they've been, they have to be focused on that while most people, particularly college students are at home with families um, enjoying the holidays. So I asked coach Capel, is that hard? You know, is that hard to manage, you know, especially now? And he said, yeah. Um, But, you know, gave a, gave a really thoughtful answer um, where he, kind of went in on, like you said, he questioned some of the rules that the NCAA has in place, right? So they have uh, a mandatory three-day break where you can't uh, work out with coaches or practice with coaches. Um, but, you know, kids can't go home right now. You know, the dangers that traveling during a pandemic creates means that you can't just go home whenever you want. You have to uh, Capel said he knows a lot of coaches who are keeping their guys at school. And he said, that's tough. He's, he, you know, these guys are kids after all, you know, they're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And not only spending a ton of time away from their family, they're not really getting a break. You know, you end a semester, you end finals and you go right into a really hectic college basketball season. And he said, it's, he's seen it wear, wear on people. It's where it's worn on, Capel himself and, and the rest of the coaches. So I appreciated his honesty. I really appreciated him uh, opening up about that um, and being really candid with us about how hard this has been. I think all of the media, you know, you look at all the guys, of course it's in a Zoom call, but I think you look at all the guys around the room in that meeting and everyone was kind of shocked at what he was saying and kind of, as a media person, just excited, like, something to write about like he gave great answers he's really honest um and yeah he gave some good quotes I mean one of my favorites he said of all the years that a kid should be with his family 2020 is at the very very top of that and then he also said what the hell are we going to do during a pandemic you can't go to a restaurant uh, you can't go to a movie theater I mean he's right like these kids have not gotten gotten to go home see their families you know, Nike Sabande has got a kid in Pittsburgh. I mean, all the stuff he's dealing with, that must be crazy. So yeah. it's, it's just tough for everyone. And Capel knows because he was a player. So when he played at Duke, he actually played alongside Chris Collins, Northwestern coach for tomorrow night. But, um, yeah, when he played at Duke, he knows it's tough not seeing your family. And during 2020, I mean, 10 times worse than a normal year. Yeah, and I mean – Cable, Cable was really quick to give a lot of credit to Samande. Like you mentioned, um, he actually made a joke. He said, you know, Samande has been more mature than his coach uh, throughout his kind of transfer process and the waiver process. That's been really frustrating and kept him on the sideline. But 
But Cable was also very quick to to give a lot of credit to what he said was every student athlete who's playing a sport right now, who's giving up um, a lot of time, making a lot of sacrifices to, like he said, very candidly, to entertain us. You know, that's that's what this is. That's the point of college. You know, not, it's one of the points of college basketball is that fans at home, you and I, we can watch these games and we have something to do. Um, and these guys are putting a lot on the line. To, to do it. Um, and I think it, it was just a, it was a sobering reminder that, you know, regardless of the outcome of the game or um, regardless of how many wins you stack, uh, that they're doing something special. They're doing something unique here and they're working really hard to, to give us something normal during a time that's not normal at all. Exactly. And yeah, he was saying, these kids are not amateurs. And we have to realize that there's no way. They're not amateurs. They're entertaining us. I mean, they're working so hard right now. They have no closure. They don't know when it's going to end. They don't know when they, things will be fixed. I mean, you don't even know who you're going to be playing next week half the time. So, you know, Syracuse, you brought them up. Syracuse recently had a problem with uh, contact tracing. They lost, I think, four or five guys. Only one positive test from a walk-on, and they ended up losing four or five guys including Buddy Beheim, Jim Beheim's son, one of their best players. So, I mean, it's really tough. There's a lot going on right now. But with that being said, we're still getting on a plane. We're going to go see them play in Evanston to take on Northwestern. So what do you think we're seeing with the Wildcats of Northwestern tomorrow night? Yes, we don't really know. Um, and and we, we've already talked to Kevin. He, he got into this a little bit, but they've only played two games and they've come against uh, Ken Palm's number 353 and 355th teams, you know, in, in Ken Palm's ratings. So they've scored a lot. They, they've showed that uh, they want to get out in tradition and transition and shoot a lot of threes, um, kind of a, a very modern basketball team that I think, you know, stylistically will challenge Pitt, but it's a little tough to tell how actually good they are, you know, like the, the competition hasn't, hasn't really uh, been that stiff. So uh, for Northwestern in particular, but for Pitt as well, you know, two teams playing their first power five opponents, we're going to learn a lot about them. Yeah. Last year Pitt took down Northwestern in Fort Myers. Um, Northwestern forward Pete Nance played 33 minutes, led their team. I mean, he's still a big part of their team this year. Kevin will get a little more into that. Um, but for us, Champagne had 21. Um, McGowan's now at Nebraska scored 15. Xavier Johnson had 11. So new look Panthers this year. I mean, I hope we can come out fast. The one thing I just do not want to see Pitt do is come out slow and trail the entire first half. Because with the shooting of this Northwestern team, it is gonna, we're going to have to shoot the same, if not better, than we did at, North, at NIU. Uh, a few days back, and I just don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a good game. The spread's five and a half points. Should be interesting. Um, yeah, I think there's some there's going to be some really good guard play in this game, and I think that's something to watch. You know, the matchups between uh, Xavier Johnson at the point for Pitt um, and uh, Ty Berry, who comes off the bench, but also Chase Adige, a transfer uh, for Northwestern, who's really lit it up scoring wise so far this year for Northwestern. Um, I, I think 
the, the kind of opposing big threes that that these teams have are going to be really fun to watch um, as they kind of go head to head with each other and draw each other on, on both ends of the court. Yeah, and I just want to give a shout out. Um, one of the players on Northwestern, Dom Martinelli. So growing up in Chicago, I was a huge uh, Chicago high school basketball fan. And Dom last year scored a record high 51 points in a game for Glenbrook South. He averaged 26 points and six rebounds. I mean, the kid was an animal. I don't think he'll get in the game for Northwestern unless it's a blowout, but the kid's a stud. And I believe he was a preferred walk-on. So always respect the walk-ons. Um, would like to see him get some action. But the next few years, watch out. The kid can put the ball in the basket. Today we are going to welcome on Kevin Sweeney. Thanks for coming on, Kevin. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so uh, Kevin is the founder of CBBCentral.com, the current sports director at WNUR Sports, where he covers Northwestern Athletics. Um, so yeah, in today's episode, we're just going to preview the Northwestern pick game that will be Wednesday night in Evanston at 9.15 Eastern. Um, I'll actually be at the game. This will be my first game I'm covering in person, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, back home in Chicago for the break, Steve's out in D.C., I believe, right, Steve? Yep, so uh, I'll be covering it remotely. be a lot of fun. Awesome. So yeah, let's get started. So Kevin, uh, how have Northwestern's first couple of games went? You know, you want to just break those down for us? You guys had a couple wins? Yeah, I mean, Chris Collins set up the schedule to to give himself a couple couple early ones. And I think it's probably the right strategy with a young team if they're just trying to figure out who they are. Um, but they played Arkansas Pine Bluff and Chicago State. Like, those are games you have to win by 25-30. They've won by 40, uh, 43 and 45 in the two games they played. So I think that's been, you know, relatively encouraging it's hard to take a ton from those games because you're playing against teams that don't have a single guy who'd be on scholarship for you, for your program. Uh, but at the same time, like we've seen a Northwestern that's been a little bit more explosive offensively, a little bit more willing to push the tempo. They've gotten good production from Chase Audige and Ty Berry, two of their young guys in the backcourt that they're really excited about. So uh, I think everything has gone according to plan so far for Wildcats, but certainly a much bigger test against Pitt um, they see in the first two ballgames. Awesome. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Steve, but it sounds a lot like the Pitt team. It's, it sounds a lot like how I described Pitt so far. Um, yeah. I mean, Northwestern's definitely uh, put up some gaudier scoring numbers, but definitely uh, there are two teams that struggled to score last year, struggled offensively, but have really ratcheted up their, their shooting numbers, um, both in terms of, you know, how many threes they're shooting, how fast they're playing, but also I mean, they're making their shooting a lot better, uh, both of these teams. So it's it's a change in style, I think, for for both of these teams. And it'll be interesting to see who can kind of execute better when it when it comes down to it on Wednesday night. Yeah. And uh, so, so Kevin, tell me a little about uh, Nance and, and what you're seeing in him. You know, is he going to be a, a big man that we're going to have problems with or is he going to stay outside? What, what's he like? He's definitely not a thumper on the interior. You know, this is a guy who came in to Northwestern. He was 6'10", probably 180 pounds. I don't have an official number on that, but he was really slight. Uh, and he gained 20 pounds when he got there. Uh, and that got him to enough of a playing weight where he could hang around a little bit in the Big Ten. Then he was really hurt by Mono midway through his freshman year, right when he was starting to get it going. Uh, and, and that really hurt him. And then last year, he was pretty inefficient. Um, I think he struggled to find who he is. Is he a small five? Is he a four who can play on the perimeter? He hasn't always been efficient in that in that small ball four role. I think the 
I think the, the lineups that they've used this year where they've started him at the five next to Robbie Barron, who's another really talented guy who can stretch the floor, have been really good for Northwestern because it's gotten and some isolation looks on the inside uh, with four out, one in when Northwestern playing three guards, and then uh, Barron who can really shoot it and then Nance, but also gives him an opportunity to go play five out and, and stretch the floor and um, play pick and pop a little bit. So he's had a nice start to the year. The efficiency is always something to watch with him uh, and, and the confidence as well. He's a guy that, that can get really shaky if he misses a couple shots early. But uh, I think the look that they've gotten from playing him at that spot has been uh, a really nice, a really nice boost for this Wildcat offense. After last year, he pretty much exclusively played, played the four um, with, with two true centers and Ryan Young uh, and Jared Jones platooning at the five. Kevin, where would you like to see him more? Do you think he's a better fit on the perimeter? Yeah, I think the, um, I think he should be playing on, uh, I think, should, I think he needs to exploit that inside-outside game, if that makes sense. Like, I think he needs to be playing the five to be this most successful. I think Barron is, a, is, a, is the better fit at the four for this team. And I think Nance at the five, in some ways, is a better look than Ryan Young. They're going to need Ryan Young in the Big Ten because he's so physical and he's big enough to guard, you know, um, you know guys that they see every night in that league, like Hunter Dickinson at Michigan or, uh, you know, Zach Eady at Purdue or Trevor Williams at Purdue. But I think – Nance's ability to step out uh, and play pick and pop gives this offense a different look. He can run the floor a little bit better as well. So I think, I think using it with the five, the way Collins has been a really nice move so far. Yeah. So you mentioned the big 10, obviously one of the strongest conferences, maybe the strongest in college basketball this season. How do you think your Wildcats are going to stack up against the other opponents this year? Yeah, it's it's frustrating as a guy who's you know very close to close to the team because I feel like they've gotten a lot better from last year and there's just not a lot of wins in front of them um, because the league is so good. I mean, you turn on Penn State, who I picked twelfth in the league. I think most people pick twelfth in the league, and they're pushing Seton Hall the horn and really spacing the floor and shooting the ball and looking really good and looking like an IT caliber team. And Northwestern could be a you know top seventy five ish team this year and still come to thirteenth or fourteenth, which is just tough from a program morale perspective. I think the biggest frustration last year was everyone knew last year was a rebuild year for Northwestern. Two years ago they came in last place, but they weren't a last place caliber team. They just lost teams they shouldn't have. They had a veteran group with Vic Law and Derek Parton, uh, and then last year everyone knew it was a rebuild, but they shot themselves in the foot because they had three Big Ten wins and then they gave away three Big Ten games that they really shouldn't have. Um, they had a 10 point lead against Indiana. They had a 10 point lead against Purdue. They had like a 15 point lead against Rutgers. They lost all those games. You give me those three games and you give back the three by games that Northwestern lost last year. And the narrative about this team coming into this season is a lot different, uh, when you're 14 and 17 in a rebuild versus 8 and 23. I think that's something that Northwestern felt coming into this year. And I think that, that that's one of the biggest reasons for confidence is they weren't as bad as that 8 and 23 said. They certainly weren't as bad as the last place finish they were two years ago. They were a much better team than that. Uh, so it's just tough to, it's just tough to climb. It really is like, uh, it, it, it's hard to watch the team. Like, yeah, they're definitely better than Minnesota. They're definitely better than Maryland. It's really just hard to say and they're better than anybody, but at the same time, they don't look like a bad basketball team. And I think they would be, you know, very competitive in the, you know, eight to 12 range of the ACC this year. I think they, they certainly could be, I mean, again, Collins has to prove he can win those close games. He hasn't done that the last two years, but, uh, the talent wise, I think is, is, is right on par with, with that eight to 12, eight to 13 in the, uh, the ACC, the Notre Dame's, the Pittsburgh's, you know, the Virginia Tech's, the Clemson's, et cetera. Yeah, so um, you mentioned Chris Collins. Uh, last two years may have not been the best from the record standpoint. Overall at Northwestern, he's 111 and 119. Um, decent record. I mean, I've seen some people call him the best coach in Northwestern basketball history. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on him and how he's done with the program so far since coming in? 
it's it's so hard to write the write the history on him because a, I don't think it's over, but B, like you have like the program he has now is so much different a program than the one that he inherited or the one that Bill Carmody was coaching in before before Collins got there. Right. I mean, first of all, the financial um spending, I mean, Northwestern's a top 25 men's basketball budget in the country right now. Like they're spending at a really high level to go compete. Chris Collins makes very a very a very nice living. I think he's at over two and a half million right now. That's not where Northwestern was under Bill Carmody. And off of that, Northwestern has the facility. Northwestern had an awful gym. Welsh Ryan Arena before the renovation was the probably the worst gym in the Power Five. And now it's you know brand spanking new, beautiful. Um, but they also have a brand new practice facility right into it, the Trans Performance Center, uh, which is also really well done. And uh, you know it moves the coaches' offices from a house, uh, you know almost a mile away from the arena to right next to the arena, right near the practice gym. The players have 24 seven access to basketball and baseball specific weight room in that gym. So like they have all the advantages now that they didn't have. Um, the NCAA tournament will always mean so much to this program and will always keep Collins in a positive light, I think inside of this program. But as someone who follows the college basketball world and not just Northwestern and sees a bigger future for where this thing can be, I'll be honest, I've been really, really disappointed the last two years. I mean, really the last three when they had a, you know, team that expect, everyone expected to go back to the NCAA tournament, they go 6-12 in the league. I've been really, really disappointed. I think the they're recruiting at the highest level they ever have, and yet they're still not winning Big Ten games, and there's no excuse for it. And they've blown games they shouldn't have, and the player development hasn't been very good. Uh, and, again, Collins can turn it around. I, I, I believe that, and I believe in the talent that's here, but I also think 100% that – when you write the book of the NCAA tournament, you also have to write the book of they've turned around and had three sub 500 seasons, one last place finish, one 13th place finish, and quite honestly have underachieved every season since that NCAA tournament bit, despite the program getting better and better as an opportunity to win. Gotcha. And, uh, and recently, I'm not sure when it opened, but um, I just saw pop up on my phone. Um, the spread came out Northwestern minus five and a half tomorrow night. So it's an interesting line. I mean, uh, I know Pitt covered their last game against Northern Illinois, but uh, what are your predictions? What do you What do you guys think? Who's going to take it? Yeah, it's tough. I I think Northwestern wins this game. Like, call me you know, call me crazy because I've talked myself into so many wins in the last couple of years that haven't happened. But like, bottom line is this: Northwestern's playing a lot faster than they have in the last couple of years. They're playing with a lot more confidence than they have in the last couple of years. And this kid, Chase Audis, the transfer from William Mary, has brought them something that they didn't have. And that's a guy who can really go get a shot. You know, Miller Cop is a really good shooter. He is, you know, capable, I think, of leading a team in scoring. But he is not an assertive scorer. You know, he's not a guy you're going to give the ball to uh, at the top of the season and say, go get a ball screen and score. Uh, so Audis has given them that. He's super confident, super, um, very able to go get a shot off the bounce. You combine that with, with Barry as a shooter off the bench. Boo Booey, who's been much better this season as a floor general. He can really score a lot. He really scored it last year, but he struggled to really run the show. This year he's running the show. Uh, I think all of those things, Robbie Barron showing, showing some, some good signs. All of those things make me really optimistic that Northwestern can and should win this game on their home court. Will they cover six or five and a half, six? And eh, it's tight to me, but I think Northwestern should win a close game. And if they don't, it's a sign of not very good things to come uh, in, in Big Ten season because, you know, it's just – that's just – it's where it at. It's a home game against a team that would probably finish in the bottom five of the Big Ten, and Northwestern has to win that game. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Kevin, I think, on this one. I, I think Northwestern wins uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, Pitt is historically, since Jeff Cable's been there, really bad on the road. Um, they're not very good at all. Um, but I think it's also just a bad matchup for Pitt uh, stylistically. Um, I, I think anyone who watched the Northern Illinois games saw them uh, turn in some really bad transition defense. Uh, they weren't stopping the ball. They weren't, you know, closing out on shooters as they were on the wings. Um, they weren't talking on defense, uh, especially in transition. And that's Northwestern's exact strength. Uh, they, they like to run, they like to shoot the three. Um, and, and so for that reason, I think, uh, I think Pitt can maybe keep it close. Maybe do one of their, you know, I think they might go down uh, by double digits and make it close towards the end. But I, I'm with Kevin. I think I think Northwestern wins a close one in, in Evanston. Yeah, in all time, the uh, Northwestern Pitt series, Pitt trails 9-10. to 10. Um, In Evanston, Northwestern also has the edge, 9-6. to six. Um, Although at Welsh Ryan Arena, Pitt does lead 1 to nothing. So there's, you're saying there's a chance. Um, I'd like to see Pitt come out early, come out running. I mean, I think we're really going to need some inside scoring help because against NIU, we really just shot the lights out. Um, and the first two games, we didn't. So you never know which Pitt you're going to get from outside. Um, could be troublesome. And our defense has looked very dodgy so far. But, yeah, that's, uh, that's our Northwestern preview. Thanks for coming on, Kevin. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun, and uh, should be a should be a fun showdown on Wednesday night with the ACC Big Ten Challenge on the line. So yeah, thanks for tuning in today. That was the second episode of the Views from the Zoo podcast. I'm George Michalowski, co-host Stephen Thompson, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.